Hey, good morning. Welcome to Healing Christian Center. So good to see you guys here today. And uh, before I share today's message, and first of all, I highly recommend two sermons preached by Pastor Mike in the, early, uh, in the beginning of this month. One is called How to Hear God. The other one is called Understanding um, God and uh, the Pathway, Your Pathway. And because today's sermon is called Love Your Calling. Love Your Calling. We, we can't live our calling if we don't know how to hear God. We can't live our calling if we don't understand our pathways God is leading us through. Because we all know sometimes things just don't go the way as we expected. So listen to those two sermons. It's very important for you to understand better today's sermon. And I became a Christian in 2011. I was still a building contractor then. Since the moment I became a Christian, I was convinced I would become a pastor one day. So I was always wondering, hey God, when I can start living my calling, I will become a pastor. And it took me seven years. Seven years, finally, in 2019, I became a full-time pastor. So today, when I stand here and look over my journey, I realize, hey, I didn't start living my calling in 2019 when I became a full-time pastor. I had already started living my calling in 2011 when I was called to be a follower of Christ. When I became a Christian, at that moment, I already started living my calling because from that moment, God already started the process to transforming myself, to transforming me to be the person he designed. So friends, sometimes we always feel, God, I'm waiting for you. Hey, because my expectation is here, but now I'm here. God, please don't keep me waiting for too long. But the reality is God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you to get transformed. God is waiting for you to get prepared and get equipped in all the circumstances he has put you in. God is waiting for you. So we must seize the day. We must start living our calling now because that's the only way to close the gap between our expectations and reality. We all know a German philosopher, Nietzsche. Nietzsche says, one who has a why to live can bear almost anyhow. I have learned from my journey and my observations that living your calling may or not change what you do for living, but you always change why you do it. Living your calling may or not change what you do for a living, but it always changes why you do it. Colossians 3, verses 23 to 24, the Apostle Paul says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
God calls you to, to a life of purpose and great rewards. When we do our work with the right attitude, the reward will come at the right time. Again, if you want to close the gap between expectations and reality, the only way to speed up is to change ourselves. Change the way you see your work. Change the way you work, do your work. And we all want our work to go smoothly. We all want everyone in our workplace knows what to do and always do it in the right way. Unfortunately, the reality is quite opposite. Because we're humans. We all make mistakes. We all got troubles. We all have problems. So here is the thing. I used to hate those things. I hate those problems. I hate those mistakes. I say to God, God, if you cannot make me a pastor now, if you still want to keep me in the building industry, please make my job easy. Please make me comfortable, right? I'm going to serve the church on Sunday. But since I realized, I already started leaving my calling when I was still in a construction site, I see everything differently. It changed my perspective. Now I realize, hey, God, here is a problem. Okay, here is a challenge. But I'm excited because, God, I know you are going to show your power through this situation. I know you are going to prepare me. You are going to equip me through these circumstances. I know... You are transforming me through what I am going through now. And I know, God, you want me to become your witness. You want me to carry your blessing, your power, your truth into my workplace. So, my dear friends, you may still remain in the same place. You may still perform the same tasks with the same people, but now you work for different purpose. Now you know that through everything you are going through now, through everything you do now, God is preparing you for something greater in future. So today we are going to read the story of uh, Jesus calling his disciples. I believe the principles guided Jesus called his disciples can still apply to our life, to our calling today. It will help us to live our callings. Let's go to Luke 5, verse 1 to 3. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listened to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats lifted there by the fishermen, who were wish, washing their nets. That means they finished their work already. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked the hen to pull out a little from shore. Then he sat down and told the people from the boat. Lake Gennesaret. Lake Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee. It is Israel's largest freshwater lake. It has a Surface area of 166 kilometers. It's a big lake, but it's only one quarter of the size of Lake Taupo. Taupo is way bigger. So we see, 
What, what does the boat mean to a fisherman? Simon Peter, okay, Simon, Simon is Peter, okay, he used to call Simon before he met Jesus. The fishbowl is Simon Peter's workplace. The fishing boat is Simon Peter's office. So Jesus stepped into Simon Peter's workplace so that the people, the crowd can see him and hear the word of God. So we as Christians must always ask ourselves this question. Can people see Jesus and hear the word of God in my workplace? Can, Jesus, can people see Jesus and hear the word of God in my workplace? We must leave our old way of thinking behind because now we work for different purpose. We work for different masters. We work for the Lord. We work for Jesus Christ. We become the witness of Jesus and we become the vehicle carrying God's blessing, God's power, and God's wisdom into our workplace. So the first principle we should apply is invite Jesus into your work. Invite Jesus into your work. We all face the same challenge. The challenge is, oh, it's so hard to be God's witness in my workplace. It's so hard to share my faith by myself. It's so hard to, to start the conversation about God by myself. It's so hard. The problem is we try to do those things by myself. Those things are not designed to be done by myself. You see, when Jesus was on the boat of Simon Peter, who was speaking? Jesus. Jesus was speaking to the crowd. Jesus gave Simon Peter the instruction to move the boat, how to do it. So Jesus was the one speaking. Jesus was the one acting. Jesus was the one actually working. So it's the work of God. God never asked us to do it by ourselves. After Jesus' resurrection, before he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, he sent out his disciples to preach the gospel, to share the good news. But Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Because you cannot do this work. You cannot accomplish this mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not designed to be accomplished by myself. It's God's work. Invite Jesus into your work means we're going to let the Holy Spirit manifest in our workplace. We're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us, speak through us, and act for us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our workplace, brothers and sisters. When I was, when I was um, a building manager, I would always went to the site early in the morning before everyone turned up. And I pray on my site. I pray for everything, inspections, timetables, contractors. I pray for everything. And, and one day, it's around two, 10 years ago, I got a job in Mount Wellington. The building site was right 
ate the food of Mount Wellington. So first day I was on site, we were like, hey, hey, it must be a good idea to pray from the top of Mount Wellington every day. Hey, because I believe the higher I go, the more power I got. <laughs> so every morning, I drove my car all the way to the top of Mount Wellington. And I start praying. And I pray loudly. I just became a Christian in those days. So I could only pray in Chinese. And um, I was not the only one on the top of the mountain. You know, Mount Wellington, there are so many people doing exercises, running. So those people look at me like, what's wrong with this Chinese guy? But you know what? I didn't stop. I keep praying because we Chinese are always loud in public places. <laughs> so there's nothing unusual going on here. Okay, just let me be myself. Pray in your workplace. Ask Holy Spirit to move in your workplace. I know some Christian businessmen who are working in one of the high-rise buildings downtown. They form a small group, and they have a devotion and worship session every Friday afternoon in their meeting room. Every Friday afternoon before they finish the work. And they also invite other people in the same building to join the session. So I truly believe some of you here today God is calling you to start a small group in your workplace. You might be wondering, how can I do that? Will anyone join my group? Don't worry about that because it's not to be done by yourself. God will be working in you. God will be working through you and God will be working for you. So today after the second service, we will have um, um, small group leaders lunch upstairs. Come to talk to us. Let's figure that out, because I believe God is calling us to start small groups in our workplaces. The second principle is overcome any calling blockers. Overcome any calling blockers. Calling blockers are obstacles that hinder you from leaving your calling. So many things can be our calling blockers, right? Business, I don't have time. Money. Right? Tiredness, I'm so tired, I can't do that. Doubt, right? Doubt can be one of the most common calling blocks in our life. I don't believe it. It doesn't make sense. Let's go to Luke 5, verses 4 to 5. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and lay down the nets for a catch. But Simon answered, Master, We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Listen to this. This is very important. But because you say so, I will lay down the net. I don't want to do it. I tried the whole night. It didn't work. But because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. Simon Peter was a fisherman. Pro. He, he was a pro. But Jesus was a carpenter from Nazareth. There's no water in Nazareth. It's a desert land. So a professional fisherman, he knows what he does. 
He doesn't need to listen to Jesus. So it must be doubts going on in Simon Peter's mind. Is this Jesus knowing what he's talking about? And he's so tired, right? He tried all night. He worked all night and got nothing. He's so frustrated. He has 100 reasons not to do that. Yet, he listened to Jesus and he obeyed. What happened next? Luke 5, verses 6 to 7. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break, so they signaled their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow. I don't mind have that problem to sink because there are too many fish. The key, the key to overcoming calling blockers is obedience. The key to overcoming any calling blockers is obedience. You see, God gives great rewards to Simon Peter on that day and his partners. God gives great rewards to those who choose to obey when, the thing, when things don't go as they expected. God gives great rewards to those who choose to obey when they don't understand the pathway God is leading them through. God gives those people great rewards because that, that kind of obedience is hard. That kind of obedience is sincere. Maybe you are like Simon Peter now. Maybe you've been working so hard for a long time, but every time you caught empty net. You always got an empty boat. You're frustrated. You're tired. You want to give up. You don't think you are doing the right thing. You don't think God is fair. Friend, when I finish the sermon, let me stop here for a moment. When I finish writing the sermon, I just feel there's something missing. I feel this sermon was not completed. So I came to God on Saturday morning. I prayed to God. God, I say, I say to God, God, I will go through this sermon to you before I preach. I will go through the sermon. So stop me. Stop me where you want to add something in, where you want to speak to people, but I didn't put it in. So God stopped me right here. And the Holy Spirit gave me a scripture. So friends, if you feel like you are Simon Peter now, you're so tired, you're so frustrated, you still got empty nets on your boat, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55, is what God wants you to know. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Stand firm because you know and God knows your labor in the Lord is not in vain. My encouragement for you is don't give up. Don't give up. Listen, you will never regret. One day when you look back, you will never regret that you don't give up. 
you can only regret you give up now. So don't give up. Keep grinding. Keep grinding. The reward is great. It's ahead of you. Your labor in Lord is never in vain. The third principle for you is envision a God-sized calling. Envision a God-sized calling. Luke 5, verse 8 to 10. When Simon Peter saw this, so many fish, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what kind of a person I am. Go away from me. For he or he or his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had. And so will James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So Zebedee is another old fisherman, and his son James and John were Simon Peter's partners. Simon Peter saw himself completely unworthy. But Jesus saw him differently. In the next verse, 10 to 11, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Jesus looked at people through the lens of their potential. Jesus doesn't pick his disciples because they are extraordinary, but because he is extraordinary. Jesus pick ordinary people and give them extraordinary potentials. So God sees us differently. God sees us for what we can become, not what we are when we start. God sees your potentials, and he will give you more potentials. In another gospel, Mark, you know, Mark is the disciple of Peter, so he documented the same event. In Mark 1, Verse 20, Mark says, Without delay, Jesus caught them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired man and followed him. So he was talking about James and John. James and John left their father Zebedee in the boat and followed Jesus. Okay, now, the Bible never encourages us to abandon our parents when we follow Jesus, okay? Honor your parents. That's one of the Ten Commandments. That's not the Bible is talking about. You see, Zebedee is an old fisherman, very experienced, right? He's the father of James and John. He was a fisherman living 2,000 years ago. So when his son, when his sons, James and John, left him and followed Jesus, I don't think Zebedee would be thinking, go, sons, follow your dream. Be yourselves. Man, that's what we are talking to our kids nowadays. Okay, I don't think a father in Asia 2,000 years ago would talk the same way. More likely, Zebedee would be thinking, I'm a fisherman. My sons should be fishermen too. 
and so that I can pass on my skills, pass on my experience, even my boat. My boat probably is Zebedee's boat. Don't blame him, because he wants the best for his kids. And that's the, all the best that he could do for his children, right? He didn't understand God's plan for his kids. And um, in the early 90s, China, that was the time the economy of China started growing because the government released more freedom to the private section of the economy. So millions of uh, private business started. And that was the time Chinese people realized, wow, we really need some modern knowledge about finance, accounting, right? So the accounting school was the most popular school in China in the 90s. So since I was in year eight, year nine, I was still a, a little kid, a student, and my dad always said to me this, son, you will be an accountant one day. Son, you will be an accountant one day, okay? Study accounting. I don't care what you do, study accounting first, be an accountant. It's good for you. I understand that, totally understand that. And I, I said to my dad, Dad, I know accounting is important. I know accounting is so good, but Dad, I can never be a good accountant. That's not me. I can never be a good accountant, but I can marry one. I believe I can do a better job in that. <laughs> so today, my wife, Yvonne, she got an accounting qualification from AUT. I made it. Hey, fish for people. <laughs> I never blame my dad. I never. Because that's, that's the best future he could imagine, right? For me. So friends, save this boat. Zebedee's boat represents where we're from, represents our culture, social, and economic backgrounds. Those things are good, are necessary. You know, those things formed who we are now, but those things also limit our perspective of what God might do with our lives. Those things can limit our perspective of what God created us to be. So let me tell you, your calling is not confined by your social economy background. Your calling is not confined by where you're from. Your calling is not confined by your ethnicity. He calls us, he calls us, all of us, to something bigger. God wants us to think big, okay? Dream big, envision a God-sized calling for your life and be courageous to undertake the tasks that's outside, beyond your ability, so that you can see God's power, His power in your life. So it's time to leave Zebedee's boat. It's time for you to leave Zebedee's boat to pursue your dream God has put in your heart to envision a God-sized calling. Tim, please come up. Thank you. So as I close today's message,
Let's go back to the very beginning of the story. When Lord Jesus Christ calling his disciples. You see, in Luke 5, verse 2 to 3, Jesus saw Simon Peter's boat first. I told you it's 100, the surface, the water surface area is 166 kilometers, square kilometer, huge. Historians said it could be more than 300 fishing boats, boats on the water every day. That could be thousands of fishermen every day, but Jesus saw Simon Peter. And Jesus got into Simon Peter's boat. And he asked Simon Peter what to do next. So Jesus didn't just randomly pick someone. He chose Simon Peter on that day. You are chosen by God. God chose you. God chose you for a great purpose. Your gifts, your experience, what you have been through, everything you have, everything you have is so precious in God's eyes. He is calling you today to fulfill His purpose for your life because you are created for this moment. You are designed to accomplish this calling in your life. So don't miss it. Don't wonder. Don't doubt. Envision a God-sized calling. Invite Jesus into your work and live your calling now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your calling in our life. Lord, there's so many people here. They do different jobs. They are at different stages of life. But Lord, there's one calling we all have in common in our life. We are all called to be your followers. We are all called to be your witness in this world. So Lord, I just pray that you will empower us. You will keep strengthening us so that on this journey, Lord, we will never, never give up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you are not Christian, if you never understand your calling in life, I want you to know God loves you. He has a great plan for your life. And he is calling you to follow him, to follow Jesus Christ. So I can encourage you to take the step of faith today. You might be feel, God, you are so far away from me. I never get a chance to know you. Today is the chance. Bible teaches us that we all have a sin and force of God's glory. Our sin separated us from God. That's why we felt God was so far away from us. But Jesus came. He died for us on the cross. He reconciled us to God so that we can live in the grace of God. We can find purpose and the meaning of our lives. So if you want to make up your mind to follow Jesus today, all you need to do now is do a prayer in your heart by following me. Now let's do it together. Dear Lord Jesus, 
Thank you for calling me. Thank you for your love and your grace. I admit I'm a sinner. But I also believe you died for me on the cross. Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Please show me your plan in my life. Please teach me your truth so that I can follow you forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.